Hello, hello, hello. Welcome again to another episode of Lottie Talks. This is your host, Thomas Belcher, missionary to the U.S. Territory of Guam, and I am excited to be here again with you guys here on this Word Wednesday just to see what the Lord has for us today as we finish up our uh, series that we've been going through the past couple weeks to know Christ and to make Him known, a.k.a. the foundation of missions. This is part three of this series, and I'm excited to get to finish it up and be with you guys. If you have a chance or you're able to, open your Bibles up to Psalm 96. Uh, we'll just be keeping it there for reference today. But Psalm 96, what this lesson is based out of. And Psalm 96 is basically about praise, praising the Lord and giving Him honor and glory and praise. It's about uh, praising and um, praising Him and to know Christ and to know the Lord. So we'll just go ahead and get right started real quick. And here we are today, our first point. We are compelled when we look ahead. We are compelled when we look ahead. Psalm 96 is not only a missionary psalm. It's not just about getting, it's not just about praising the Lord with the Jews and with the Gentiles. It's about praising the Lord everywhere. It is it is a millennial psalm. It speaks of the coming day when Christ sets up his kingdom on this earth and reigns for a thousand years. Isn't that just mag magnificent? Isn't that just glorious to think about Christ coming down and reigning on this earth for a thousand years? And that just makes me excited every single time I hear about it and every single time I think about it because you know, we live in such a horrible, wretched world today with very corrupt and vile leaders and very corrupt and vile people. And what do you expect? They're human. They're going to be that way. But there's going to come a day where, when there is no corrupt or viable person leading us. It's going to be the incorruptible, holy, undeniable Savior, Jesus Christ, that rules and reigns for a thousand years. Oh, praise the Lord for it, and I can't wait to be around to see it. The phrase, the Lord reigneth, in verse 10, is more than a statement of God's sovereignty over the earth. This phrase refers to the time when God's kingdom will be established on earth. This is not just talking about God, God's sovereignty over the earth, God's present sovereignty and past sovereignty, but this is going to be God's future sovereignty, where God is truly 100%, I mean, he's already in control, but truly 100% undeniably king of kings lord of lords there is no fighting it there is no doubting it you have to admit it you have to say it ruler of the earth what a fantastic time that is going to be it's going to be absolutely beautiful to see and you know uh it says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess i know that not everybody's heart will be right but every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that jesus christ is lord it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Jesus Christ is going to be declared King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And it doesn't matter your opinion. You could be an atheist. You could be listening listening on this and be an atheist and say, well, I don't believe that. It's Those words are never going to come out of my mouth. I wouldn't say that because one of these days, those words are, go are going to come out of your mouth. When God's people remember what happens when Christ returns, Christians we get motivated 
with their missions of telling others about the gospel. Uh, look with, in verse 10 as a reference, looking in verse 10, Say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth, the world also shall be established that it shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. You understand, uh, I don't know about you, but whenever I hear a, miss, a missions message, whenever I hear uh, the Bible start telling me to get the gospel out, and the Bible giving me a clear definition of missions as it does throughout the entire Word of God, it motivates me to want to do something. It motivates me to want to increase my missions, and uh, it motivates me to want to start telling more and more people about Jesus Christ. And that's how we're supposed to be. We are children of God, and we're supposed to be motivated by God's Word. We're already supposed to be motivated by the fact that Christ told us to go out into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But when it's repeated over and over and over again, we ought to have that motivate us and say, hey, you know what? Maybe I didn't witness to as many people as what I should have this week. Well, this week I'm going to change that. I'm going to witness to more people. I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to talk about salvation more. I'm going to be a witness for the Lord. The psalm reminds us of the ruler that is coming to this world. Once again, talking about Christ. Christ is coming to this world. Our message to the world is not that the Lord will reign, but that he already reigns. And how true that is. You know, uh, Christ is already reigning. I don't care what the news media says. I don't care what politician says it. Uh, Christ is on the throne. Christ is always been on the throne, and he's always going to be on the throne. The Lord is on the throne. I remember earlier this year uh, that Nadler Feller, uh, senator, I believe, or congressman, one of the two, I always get those two confused, but he was he got up in Congress, I believe, and said that whatever denomination ascribes to the will of God is of no concern to this Congress. Um how wrong he is. That's just a sign that these politicians think that they have removed Christ off the throne, that they have removed God off the throne and replaced him with themselves. They think they are in control and that they don't have to answer to anybody. Well, let me tell you what, you're going to answer to someone someday and you have not removed Christ off the throne. You have not removed God off the throne. He is on the throne. He will always be on the throne and there's nothing you and I could possibly do to stop him. Jesus is not waiting to become the king. He is already king of kings. He's already the king. He's always already been the king. What he's going to do when he comes back in the millennial reign is he's going to just be reaffirmed as the king of kings. That Basically, what's going to happen is when you start, when a child disobeys his dad, that dad is still the head of the home. That dad is still the law of that home. But there comes a time where that dad has to put down, lay down the law and reaffirm, hey, I am in charge. I've always been in charge and I'm going to be in charge now. And so he has to put forward that punishment. He has to make sure that the children know that he is in charge. And that's what's going to happen with the millennial reign. We're going to see that with Christ. The first time Jesus came as the Lamb of God, he came as the Savior. The next time he comes as a lion of the tribe of Judah. What does that mean? It means he is the sovereign. First time he came here, he came here swaddled in clothes and in a manger and had nothing. He had he brought no armies with him. He brought no silver, no gold, no followers. He brought nothing with him. No angels, no nothing. Oh, but the next time he comes, the next time he comes, this whole world is going to have to bow down from the immense power that Jesus is going to bring with him. 
He's not just going to bring with him the horses of war. He's going to bring with him the hosts of heaven. He's going to bring with him power, riches, honor, and glory. All of that's going to come with him. He didn't bring that down before because, hey, he came as a savior, not not to rule, not to rule an earthly throne. Well, what's the point of ruling an earthly throne anyway? He rules an eternal heavenly throne. But one of these days, he's going to come down and he's going to rule both. And there will be no fighting his control. After the thousand year reign, the de the devil will be loosed, of course. But us, oh, there will be no resistance. How could you resist that? You can't resist it. Christ will rule as a sovereign ruler. This psalm reminds us of the reckoning that is coming for this world. The psalm is filled with calls for rejoicing from the heaven and the earth. But when Jesus returns, he is coming to execute judgment. Look with me in verse 13. Psalm 96, verse 13. Before the Lord, for he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. You know what that means? That when Christ comes again, he's coming back to lay down the law. He's coming back to judge us for murdering over 50 million children. He's coming back to, uh, to judge us for allowing homosexuality and sin to rule supreme. He's coming back to judge us for uh, being for just letting pedophilia run rampant and uh, with no consequence whatsoever. He's, he's coming back to judge us for all the things that we've done. He is coming back, and there will be no stopping him. There will be no fighting it, but he will come back, and he is going to put us in our place. His coming is a time of rejoicing for those who are saved. This is a very important statement, but it will be a, a day of reckoning for the unsaved. Do you realize for us who are saved, our sins are forgiven us, and Christ doesn't remember those anymore? They're as gone as east as far as the east is from the west in the deepest parts of the sea. So there's not much for us to be worried about when Christ comes back. But what about those who aren't saved? There's a lot for them to be worried about. There's a lot for them to be scared of. When Christ comes back, guess who's going to face the brunt of judgment? Those who aren't saved. That's why it's up to us to fix that. It's up to us to get them saved so that they won't face that judgment. We are responsible to challenge every person to prepare for the coming of the Lord. You can see this in Acts chapter 10, verse 42, 2 Corinthians 5, 11. We as the Christian are responsible to challenge every person to prepare for the coming of the Lord. You realize uh, what that means is we are to give the gospel out to every single creature. We are to give the gospel out to anyone who will listen. Yes, there's a lot of people who will reject the gospel. Not everybody you talk to about it will get saved, but at least they will have had the chance. At least there's a a slight chance that they could get saved. At least there's a possibility. At least they have the opportunity to get to see Jesus Christ as their Savior. It's our job to make sure that that happens. As watchmen of people's souls, we are not responsible for their response to the truth, but we are responsible to warn them. Look, uh, use Ezekiel thirty-three seven through nine. Listen, we are the watchmen. We're the people on the wall. We're supposed to warn about the coming threat. The coming judgment. We're supposed to warn about that. Hey, as a Christian, I look forward to when Christ comes back and reigns for a thousand years. I look forward to that because that's a time of joy for me. 
but I also understand there's there's another side to that coin. And what it says is that for those who are not saved, and I can think of several people on the top of my head right now who are not saved, for those people who are not saved, it's not going to be a time of joy. It's going to be a very sorrowful and painful time. We need to see that, and we need to at least give them the gospel and at least give them the chance to be saved. You know, we will be held accountable by him for our obedience or disobedience and bearing witness to the world. We will be held accountable. I wholeheartedly believe that. For who I do not witness to, I will be held accountable for that. I will be held accountable for that. I've heard some preachers say that that's going to be the reason why uh, Christ has to wipe away our tears. I'm not sure if that's true. The Bible never says why he has to wipe away our tears in heaven, but maybe that is true. Maybe because God has has us to look down and see who is in the pits of hell because we would not go out and witness to them. Maybe that's true. Either way, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to have to have the tears wiped away from my eyes. I don't want that. I know I have already failed in the past, and there are many people that are on their way to hell. That is my fault. And, you know, because I never witnessed to them. And, you know, I'm I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to face judgment by the Lord for that someday. He's gonna have to He's gonna hold me accountable for that. I understand that. I can't do anything about my mistakes in the past except ask forgiveness. But I can try and make things right and do the opposite of what I did in the past now. I could try and witness to as many people as I possibly can. I can pass out gospel tracts, leave gospel tracts wherever I can, get the gospel out somehow. I can try and make a difference in this world today. In September of 1853, as a 21-year-old man, Hudson Taylor boarded a ship in Liverpool, England, and set sail for China with hopes of winning people to Christ. Taylor once said, Would that God would make hell so real to us that we cannot rest. Heaven so real that we must have men there. Christ so real that our supreme motive and aim shall be to make the man of sorrows the man of joy by the conversion to him of many. Our goal ought to see people saved. Would God make that our goal? Would God give us a restless nature to see people saved? In conclusion... Calvary does not compel us to get involved in giving the gospel to others. No missionary presentation will motivate us. At Calvary, Christ's sinless and satisfying blood was shed for your sins and mine. There on the cruel cross of Calvary, the Lord Jesus became like us so we could become like him. God gave heaven's best for the world's worst so that the world's worst might know heaven's best. Think about that. That's great. Worldwide evangelization, evangelization matters. How, however, only God can truly open our eyes and see the reasons why it does. It's a very powerful statement there. If we as Christians don't get motivated by the Great Commission, nothing else will motivate us. Christian, we need some, we need some Christians that will get motivated. Maybe you haven't witnessed to as many people as what you as what the Lord told you to this week. Maybe the Holy Spirit was pushing on you to witness to that cashier or that attendant, and you ignored it and moved on. You know, 
we need to ask Christ for uh, for forgiveness for that. And someday we'll be answerable for that. But until that day, I want to try and correct those mistakes. We ought to want to try and correct those mistakes. And the next person, the next time the Holy Spirit moves us to give someone a gospel track or talk to somebody, we ought to do it. Very powerful lessons, very powerful series on to know Christ and to make him known. Thank you very much for joining us today. It's been a shorter podcast, but a very powerful one. I, I know it's a, it's touched my heart. It spoke to me today. It spoke to me as I was reading through it and preparing. And uh, just very convicting. It's very convicting. Anyway, thank you for joining us again today for another episode of Lati Talks on Word Wednesday. And we look forward to seeing you Monday for another Missions-Minded Monday. Thank you very much. God bless you all, and have a great day.